until we're not wizards. episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for August. Okay? It's troubled times. The population's just getting bigger and bigger now. The only th- It's just disaster after disaster. Things are just going wrong, left, right and centre. I decided I need some help to bring me in. So I bought a, brought a gentleman by the name of Stevie Allen. I also brought a gentleman in by the name of Ross Glover. Now they're from Tip the Table Games. Unfortunately, I've realised that I've only got space for one of them. So ultimately, one of them's going to go and there will be one survives. So join me. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. About, talk about one survives. I've got Stevie Allen. I've got Ross Glover. Hello, Hello gentlemen. How are you Hello doing? Hello there, how are Hello. you? I'm very, very good. I'm very, very good. Um, it's the best thing to do is obviously the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and rather than us both getting out there and actually mowing the lawn that we've been asked to do, we thought we would sit around and we would talk about some some games and uh, we would actually talk about your game that is coming to Kickstarter imminently, I think the word. Is that is that right, Ross? Is it is it coming? Is it appearing very, very soon? If we get our fingers out our backsides and get it sorted <laughs> out, yes. But uh, yes, imminently is the correct term. If the, I guess the first question is if it was a if it was a question of leadership, who is the leader between the two of you? Is it yourself, Stevie, or is it, or is it you, Ross, that would kind of claim that mantle? I would, I would say it's Ross. Um, he's he's the, probably the more driven of the two <laughs> of us. Uh, but you know. We take turns, I suppose. We take turns. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's I, good. I would so, agree. My my turn's a lot bigger than Stevie's. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of rolling the dice while you're kind of doing the whole worker placement thing and kind of dealing the cards and getting the <laughs> dip together right. and putting the kettle right. on and filling up the dishwasher and just making sure everything's kind of, I guess, kind of like hunky hunky dory um i suppose we better do the admin and we better say hello to everybody who's out there hello thanks for listening the reason that we do this is because there's still not enough podcasts to talk about tabletop there is a good couple of us in scotland now we've got ourselves we've got the fantastic unlucky frog we've also got uh, the wonderful giant brain podcast um but apart from that nobody else you know at all and the other reason that we do this is because um I've been speaking kind of on and off uh, to Stevie for a while. Um, well, both of them through Twitter, on and off, watching th- kind of things kind of percolate like a fine coffee. And uh, we got around to talking, and uh, the, currently there is a copy of One Survives with Steve, who's our writer for the site. So he's he's a 
he's away playing it, giving it a good couple of play fuse before he puts together his words. So I'm not here forearmed or forewarned or nothing. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a good situation to be in. But um, I mean, I guess the first question to ask is, you know, for your, for yourselves. I mean, how did how did you guys kind of end up kind of working alongside each other? kind of becoming friends. Stevie, I mean, how did that kind of happen? So, well, we're actually, uh, Ross is actually my brother-in-law. Um, so it was, it was through, it wasn't through choice, but... <laughs> no, uh, it's his sister's uh, fault. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, it happened, it just so happens that we, we got on very well, which is, which is a bonus. Um, R- Ross and I probably, we, we maybe played some video games together back mm-hmm. in the day, but um, board, board gaming never really factored into how we, you know, when, when we were meeting each other or getting to know each other and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. It's something that's ca- came along more recently. Um, probably more so now that we've, we've both got families, we, you know, we, we use board games as a way of, of in, you know, entertaining the families while we're away, mm-hmm. uh, that, that sort of thing. And um, it was just an idea that we, we had um, on in that type of scenario when we were away as a family. So do you get to play? Do you get to be play quite often together as an extended family? Because one of the things I find is that um, there's two sides to to my side of the hobby, which is there's the the side of the hobby which is for kind of like where I bring out code names and you know code names in suns you know Sunset yeah. Beach and. The kind of um, love letter and stuff like that, and the f- the family are quite happy, you know, Escape from Atlantis and things like that. They're quite happy to sit down and play that. As soon as I kind of, as soon as they see me go for something a bit more meatier and heavier than everybody, all of a sudden needs to go because they've got like they've left a casserole <laughs> in the oven or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah, have you have you two kind of ended up playing the kind of the heavier games? together then Ross is that how that's kind of panned no, out no, not for me and I've got mm. to say I've got to say I'm almost that kind of charlatan in this space so my gaming experience in, from board games is your kind of more mainstream family stuff so it's mm-hmm. it's the Cluedo's it's the uh, it's timeline and it's okay. that, that yeah. kind of stuff and a lot of stuff Stephen was talking about there um kind of holiday games and quite often we'll holiday together as well and we end up playing a game of cards a card based game mm-hmm. um and for me that was quite important in terms of what we were designing i didn't really want it to be a heavy game that you would spend an awful lot of time on and an awful lot of setup time on um i mean i, I bought pandemic and i yes. set it up with my daughter and my son and I know Oof. that's not a super heavy one, but by the time we'd set it up, they went, you know what, Dad, I don't want to play this. Yeah. And it's one of the best games out there, but that whole setup piece and the time that they invested in it, they're just not of that age to to really kind of want that. So it was quite important that we were designing something that was easy to pick up, uh, mm. easy to play, and didn't really need that investment of time. Did you put the brakes on a few of the ideas for the yeah. game then as you were developing it was Stevie kind of like now if we can just do a bit of worker placement here and then you know uh, this will be deck number five this will be deck number seven uh, <laughs> you know we'll get we'll get the, the expansions in here as well and you're like 
Stephen knows. Stephen knows the conversation. So I'd, from from the very very outset, we were, we were actually sat in a hotel when uh-huh. we started designing this, and um, you know, we were looking at the card games that we had with us, and that was Timeline and Uno, and I'm kind of going, it needs to be a card game so you can take it with us, mm-hmm. and Stevie was saying, um, yeah, but if if we had we could have hit points and you could have some counters and. Every time you get attacked, then you could maybe have a sheet of paper that had different attributes on it and scores, and one could have strength and one could have more health, and that's kind of. And it's like, hold on a wee minute, it's a card game we're trying to build, not a board game, a full-on mm-hmm. board game. So, we absolutely had those conversations. Yeah, I think I think you did kind of rein me in a little bit on on that. I, I'm I'm a big fan of like small small form factor games. Um, you know the the the, the mint tin games, uh, Justin Blasky's mint tin games that have been on Kickstarter yes. are like right in my wheelhouse because it's it crams so much in to a small space that you can chuck in a bag. And and when Ross and I started sort of talking about this, I had I mean I, I also like you know the the tangible feeling of components in your hand. But it was it was absolutely right that when we when we started to kind of work through the different scenarios and, and talk about the the mechanics that we wanted to employ, there were they were they were totally superfluous. Um, yes, you know, sometimes these things can add to the experience, but they were they weren't needed, and in some cases they can kind of distract you from what the main focus of, of the experience should be. Um, so you know, Ross was was bang on when he said, you know, let's keep it tightly to the cards and. Um, Focus our attention on that. I, I think that's the first time you've said that, Stevie. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm quite, I'm quite emotional. <laughs> I, I tend, I tend like, not to. I tend not to back down, but I did on this one. I'm kind of like doing the kind of the kinder, nicer version of Jeremy Kyle here, where you kind of all sit about. And <laughs> There's something quite therapeutic about this. Confess to each other exactly what's going on. You're amongst friends. You know, there's going to be no <laughs> yeah, judgment exactly. here, except yeah. for the couple of couple of hundred people that will be <laughs> listening to the end the end kind of product but no i think in all fairness i think this kind of thing it is important to have somebody that's challenging you to take your idea and to strip it back to the base area that makes it kind of like the fun part of it you know if you can strip out i guess if you can strip out as much of the game as possible and you leave the core mechanics in and it's still fun then that means you've got a pretty decent game. I mean, if you think back to, I mean, I mentioned like Love Letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the premise behind that is super, super, you know, it's super, super simple. The same with code names and stuff like that. Yeah. And I can, I speak to, I don't think you're alone, Stevie, when you get an idea for a board game and it's a board game where every single letter of board game is capitalized. You've underlined it, you've put it in bold, and you've highlighted it as well. <laughs> You know, yeah, and then it know, takes some delay. Take Ross... to, the, to the nth degree, absolutely. Yeah. What did you um, have? You had a chance to speak in a mint ten games. Did you have a chance to kind of get your hands on microbrew then? Uh, no, I haven't. I actually missed it in the, in the Kickstarter, so I was kicking myself because um, I've I've spoken to Nigel uh, a number yes. of times at different events. Yeah, what a fantastic guy. He was really helpful when we we were kind of chatting to him when 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 this was when when our game was essentially um, yeah, handwritten Glasgow cards. Games. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 were at the Glasgow Games Festival. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ross. Um, I mean, we, we were we were sitting with handwritten cards at the time, talking to mm. Nigel about an idea that we had that we thought had some legs, 
and you know just a, what a super guy giving us lots of advice and um you know it was it was really nice to to meet people who are genuinely um passionate about about the hobby uh, and, yes. and being successful that that was that was an eye opener for for me was you know how successful his campaigns had been um i've played carcosa a number of times and that, that was fantastic um so it was it was just really nice it was such a, a, a fantastic experience we need to we need to get um, microbrew on the table if you're going to tabletop Scotland. That I think they're like going a, as well. Like I think they've got a stand there. So um, microbrew is a f- it's a fantastic little game. It's actually a bit of a it's one of these nice little brain burners that you can get away with actually setting yourself up as a little kind of one with two players and you can play each other off each other because just because of the way that you don't. You're kind of uh, you're almost figuring out the puzzle that you're given as it's presented to you, and there's a way of kind of playing it kind of that way, so it kind of works out like a little bit of a brain burner, trying to get as many points as possible off the cards that you've been dealt, which is kind of which is kind of quite which is kind of quite interesting. Um, did you have a couple of ideas in mind? I mean, was one survives? Was that the first and only? one that you've gone through or has there been kind of other iterations of this before you've got to where it is just now? So so I would say that how how it actually came about was we were packing to go on holiday and mm-hmm. Steve and I's family were going on holiday as well with us. And um I was putting the card games in a bag and I'd said to my son who is really into horror games, horror movies and that type of thing. I'd said to him, are you aware of any card games or any games we could take on holiday that might interest you, just as a, a kind of different uh, thing to play? And he was like, no, not really. And mm-hmm. and that was it. It was just a passing comment. And we ended up, on the way back home, we were in an airport hotel for about six hours before we had a flight to catch. And it was one of those things where we were just kind of killing time with not much to do. And I said, let's get some paper out and see if we can make a game. So we knew it was a horror game, and that was the theme we wanted to go with, and mm-hmm. that was about it. So it was, it's for me, it's and Stevie, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's first time around, it's first attempt at this, and um, we had we had something that was playable a couple of weeks later at the Glasgow Games Festival. Yeah, actually went down quite well and seemed to yeah. be reasonable in a reasonable position, and we've obviously done. A bundle of playtesting from then. That's almost a year down the line now, and a few different iterations. But yeah. the core game, the core game's not changed tremendously. And I think again that comes back to that point where, um, you know, it's that point where we've had lots of ideas and lots of things like add a playma, or you could add character meeple. You could you could do this. You could add in more scenarios or different weather effects, and all these things might come in at a later point, maybe as some kind of uh, second edition or an expansion to it, yeah. but but it's it's been a case of you no know, keep it down at the core game and we'll keep the core game as is as much as we can. Um, so it still feels really familiar to the the little cut up pieces of card that we had in an airport hotel, having borrowed scissors from the reception to to, uh, to, to have something that we could play. Is it, Absolutely. Um... I was going to say, has it changed how you view games then, Stevie? I mean, are you 
has it changed how you looked? Are you looking to more towards the kind of the casual kind of market? Are you been investigating kind of what's what's out there now that the kind of the direction had changed from maybe the big humongous game? You're, you, it sounds yeah. to me that you're looking. It's almost like the direction you're heading is something that wouldn't look out of place in like a Forbidden Planet or something like that, or a you know a local comic shop or something. Something that somebody would just go ahead and pick up because it was priced pretty reasonably and it was a a deck yeah, of cards. Absolutely. You know, I think you look at some of the, the, the larger big box games and price is definitely a, a barrier to somebody picking that up. So we when we were when we were designing it and, and thinking about it, we were we were conscious of the mechanics that work well with the format that we'd that we'd kind of envisioned. Um and and then obviously the you know price point comes into to being very important and, and Especially for things like Kickstarter, you, you see there's obviously very established producers of, of Kickstarter campaigns that they they are the the core price for for their uh, product will be high, but people have confidence in them, so mm-hmm. are, are don't, don't really think twice about you know um, picking it up or, or putting their money down. Sorry, I should say, um, in the with with a six month wait before they're going to have it in their hands. Whereas we were saying, you know, we keep it we keep it tight in terms of. Um, the components, the hopefully the cost once we've we've got through all that process ourselves, and and make it a a a, a nice uh, option for people to pick up, uh, and a th- with a theme that isn't very readily available on the market. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of zombie kind of games out there, but they seem to be the same kind of dungeon crawly type. Miniatures, yeah, no, absolutely, one. absolutely, and, and you know, I, I mean, I, who doesn't love a zombie game? There was a well, there was a time where you couldn't turn for for seeing a zombie game, but um, what what I like about ours, uh, our our game, um, is you know the, the the mechanics of it are are simple. It's it's essentially a set collection game with a with a take that mechanic as well, um, for for, for good measure to to add a bit of um, you know, sort of how's that type. Uh, gameplay um, in a in a eighties horror slasher uh, setting that mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen, um, and it just it just felt like a nice combination of you know easy to learn, loads of strategy in there once you actually look look beneath the the, the, the hood, um, and with a with a with a theme that um, some people really like and and kind of gravitate towards. And. In terms of the the base mechanics, then Ross, and I'm coming at you because um, you'll probably not use as much, you know, kind of the, the jargon side of things. But coming from a kind of a, a base mechanics, what would you do during a turn? What how do you how do you actually play the game? So you've got um, your your seven ha- cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. That's that's how familiar I'm saying. I can't even say you've got seven cards in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got seven cards in your hand. And then depending on what that contains, you can send the killer to a location on the island that you're stranded on. Um, oh, and we should say that every player has got the location that they start in in front of them. So everybody mm-hmm. else knows where they are. So if I've got a, a card that has the same location as someone else, and I can move the killer to that location. And then that means that they've got to resolve that action by either 
uh, fighting off the killer by playing a weapon card, Mm -hmm. by running away, by moving their own character to another location, or they die. So that's quite um, kind of uh, decisive and and, and, uh, (laughs) ends their their involvement in the game. And there is an element of that within the game where sometimes a game can take only two or three rounds, and then other times the game can take 15, 20 minutes. Uh, And each one is different. I think I was playing it last night again with with, uh, my kids, and I managed to kill myself. Which I'd never done before, which is a bit odd, but that was a bit of that was that was um, that was a full on strategy coming in. If I was playing a move to try and kill my daughter, and then it turned out that she died before I managed to kill her, which then meant my move backfired on me, and I ended up <laughs> killing myself. So <laughs> it's it that that. That's not necessarily answering your original question, but <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go back to you get seven cards, <laughs> right? Okay, and you can either you can move your character, you yeah. move your character, you can move the killer, or yes. you can go with a set collect piece. And right. there's a couple of different mechanics in there, so you can't just immediately if you've got the three cards that you need, you've got to be in a specific location to activate those. And you've got to have been in that specific location for more than one complete round. So you can't just go, ah, I've, I'm away and I've won because I've escaped and I've survived. So you can't you kind of use that as quickly as you might think. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other special cards that are in the deck that do some interesting things, um, like make everybody move around uh, different locations. The sacrifice card, which is always fun to play, that was what ultimately killed myself last night um uh, there's themed cards from the horror genre like jump scare where you can choose any location and frenzy is another one because you'll find that particularly in a larger group there'll be more than one person in one location so a frenzy card means that the killer attacks everyone that's in that location so as steven says though the more you get to play it, the more you see that there are strategies that evolve in terms of how you can use the cards. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be quite honest and say that wasn't through design. That has just been through playing the game and going, oh, I can do this. I can play Paranoia and it'll move everybody around a space. And yeah. that means that they, they can no longer escape because they were going to be at the docks and they needed to be at the docks. But I've just moved them away from it. And people yeah. don't really like that. Yeah, there's there's loads of ways of um, getting one up on other players, and and you know that it's 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 always a good laugh because people have got a, a an idea in their mind how they want to what 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 win condition they're going for. So and there's and there's there's loads of different ones. Um, but then you doing something as simple as you know just the act one action can have major ramifications on the rest of the game and they might never recover and you know it, yeah. it, it puts other people in the hot seat to to um or the sort of pole position to, to win after that point and it's uh, it can change like in the blink of an eye and it's, it's so it's, it's really sort of dynamic that way i'll be honest i think ross's um explanation was far more complicated than yours Stevie. <laughs> I, i'm perfectly, i'm perfectly honest, the master you know. of of simple talk. I was thinking that Ross is turning into a right proper gamer. There <laughs> with these, 
you know, with this using of player and player elimination terms and things like that as well. I'm, I'm quite, uh, you know, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite confused by the whole. By, no, I mean to me, I mean I'm hearing kind of locations, set mechanics that you can use. You're basically trying the killer is the one that you want to be moving around, but depending on where the killer goes. If you're in the wrong location at the wrong time, if you can't play a card to protect yourselves, then you're basically you're kind of out yeah, of the game. Absolutely. One of the one Did, of the one of the cool cool things for me, sorry to, to cut across you there. Um, and Ross Ross touched on it. So if I'm if if I attack you, um, and you you play one of the, your cards to either defend yourself or run away, you uh-huh. you then don't get that card back. So your hand goes from a maximum hand size of seven to six, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. impacts your ability to collect the set required to go off. And so th- there's a lot of strategy in who do you target to attack? Who's got more cards than you? Um, th- so that you have to be mindful of other people's hand or what you think they might have um, in relation to, to what you're doing. So there's, there, mm-hmm. there's, there's kind of hidden depth um once you once you start to kind of scratch away at the surface, it's it's that's that's what I like about it. Because um, there's loads there's loads of card games that you know there's a there's a set way of winning, and you all strive towards that, and mm-hmm. it's, it's basically a, a race a race to the finish. Um, whereas this can can like I say can change in a heartbeat. Have you thought about kind of reskinning it with different themes then? Because it sounds to me like this could be something you could be. You know, it could be a, like the poisoned apple game or something like that. You know, something along those lines <laughs> with different. You know, there's this. This sounds like. I mean, the most simplistic. Again, going back to like your code names and your love letters of this world. The, the rules are simplistic enough that you can put kind of any old kind of skin on it, and it seems to work kind of well. I mean, is that? I take it. I mean, that must be much further down the line. But have you played with kind of different themes at all, then, Ross? Um. If I was to say there is a, a, a an alternative version of the cards that's a sci-fi version, mm-hmm. and essentially, essentially, rather than it being one survives a classic horror edition, mm-hmm. it would be one survives a xenomorph. Ah, you see. So rather than escaping the psychopathic killer, you're escaping the psychopathic alien. You can do an ET version then. Yeah, he just absolutely. comes after you with his glowing, his glowing finger. Yeah, and and we did toy with, we we did we did toy with him. We've, we've spoken about not to give all our secrets away in terms of reskinning. Well, you already given. You're wide I open know. now. I know oh, everything. Goodness me! The but other one, the other one we spoke agree about on was an NDA on this. No, too late. <laughs> oh, didn't sign um, <laughs> no, uh, we definitely don't have one set in space. The that was. Uh, <laughs> Nothing that we've spoken about before. It wouldn't work. We tried to do it, and it's a terrible idea. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be editing this bit of the show at all. Yeah. But, I mean, there is other. I mean, there's other. I mean, there's other kind of kind of as I say applications when you've got this kind of like uh, straightforward mechanics. The yeah, player absolutely. elimination side of things. Did you think about ever kind of taking that out? Because I think. For some people, player elimination is just like I'm not touching this with a bad pull pal kind of thing. Um, <laughs> We've actually heard that. <laughs> we, we yeah, al- that almost verbatim. Yeah. Um, so, what what I think kind of mitigates that is that the game itself lasts, you know, 
t- 10 minutes to, to 20 minutes. So yeah. it's not so long that someone's sitting out that, that they're going to get bored and, and, you know, wander off. It's um, so so even if you do, if, even if you are the first first person out, it's you're not going to be you're not going to be sitting about too long. Um, but yeah. what what I really quite like about it is that we we I I kind of see the game as a it's like a kind of storytelling uh, a chance to do a bit of storytelling. So as you play a card that you know sends the killer to a specific location, you, you can kind of embellish it and and make it a bit more theatrical. And so, you know, the, the killer creeps from the undergrowth and attempts to grab you and, what, and things along those lines. So you can kind of spin it out a little bit and, and add a bit of your own sort of flavour and twist to it. As opposed to just, you know, throwing a card down on the table and saying, you know, deal with that. There's there's loads of options of, of making it a really engaging experience and um, getting other people involved. And, and you know, once, once you start to really kind of see somebody pulling ahead and you start to target them and everybody's kind of focus shifts uh, it, it does sort of bring everybody, keep everybody's uh, attention Who, um, where, What did you do about your art then? I mean, did you did you get that locally or did you did you kind of chuck an offer out there and see what kind of people came out with? Because I must admit the art itself is 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 Stunning looking to be to be perfectly honest. I love I I, I really love this. It's kind of a mixture of real realistically, but also slight kind of impressionist kind of shapes where you're using an awful lot of solid color, which I kind of like. You know, it's kind of like a so. I mean, did you is that somebody that you know that's doing the art, or did you get that farmed out from somewhere else? That kind of came about on um, Board Game Geek. And we were just looking at artists that were looking for mm. um, for for work on it, and and we found uh, someone not not locally across in Poland actually, mm-hmm. um, and at the moment we've actually we've got a decision to make on this too in terms of how we take it forward because if there's been a difficulty in terms of progressing this further forward and in, in terms of the game and the artwork. We have reached a point where we're talking to this particular artist, and costs have escalated more than were originally uh, discussed. So we we need to make a decision as to because we love this artwork too. We think it's really mm-hmm. really good. It fits with the theme, and we yeah. need to make a decision in terms of uh, what does our Kickstarter look like in terms of pricing uh, and how we go about it. And it's one of the, it's probably the biggest challenge we've faced in terms of uh, you know looking at pulling the game together it, it came to i hate to say it in terms of the whole design piece it was quite intuitive and, and we got quite far quite quickly but this bit's been the 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 challenge for us i think and it's the biggest challenge we face but we, we can still use this particular artist and go ahead but we need to think about what that does with costs um and it's that yeah that decision it's kind of like um it's a double-edged sword because um, Kickstarter itself is a very, very visual type medium. Yeah. And I have seen I have seen games that look absolutely stunning. That um, unfortunately, when you get them to the table, they are lackluster in terms of how they actually play out. Um, and unfortunately, Kickstarter seems to be led by kind of it's a very, very it seems it's a very, very visual medium. Where a lot of people will look at the kind of the graphics and 
to look at the design of the game and they'll watch the video um, and if they get interested enough then they'll they'll dabble kind of further into the into the kind of the rules type of thing. So I mean it's a difficult it's a difficult one because especially if um if you're looking at a low funding goal I mean if you're look at it this way, if you're looking at a funding goal of say twenty five, thirty grand there's a chance Absolutely. you've got mini- you've got miniatures in there, which means yeah. yes, you'll be spending for the art, but the art will be a certain percentage. If you're only looking for like you know five six grand for your funding, and your art is going to come in at fifteen hundred pounds, you know once you take off your ten percent that you're going to be paying for Kickstarter, it doesn't leave an awful lot at all for kind of the production of the yeah of the final piece, product, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, what what we're looking at what we're looking at is. Um, if we were, and I know this is a kind of, it, 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 it's that deciding point in the artwork piece, but if it was a case of um, looking at an alternative artist, we're looking at this style. That's the style that we're looking at, that we want, yeah. and that's what we want to produce. Yeah. So it's only to see whether or not perhaps maybe um, there's another option out there that, that keeps ultimately the cost of the game down for everybody that that you know would want to back it on Kickstarter, but still gets mm-hmm. the quality and the design that we want. So we've got a wee bit of work to do in that space just to kind of finish things uh, off and, and land exactly where we are. But it's it's either going to put the cost up a couple of quid uh, in respect of each deck of cards. Or mm-hmm. you know we're gonna we're, we'll find someone that we can keep the cost a little lower, but still get the the same look and feel because we don't want to compromise on that at all. Yeah, I mean I think I think it it, it helps us stand out having a, a you know a keen art style. Um, yes. It's all original. It's not this isn't a template. This isn't you know um, stock images that's mm-hmm. that's been pulled together. This is somebody's taking the time to to you know digitally produce. Hand-drawn, um, st- stylish, stylish um, art, and and you know there's there's obviously there's the cost implications for that, but I think it's it's quite striking when you see it, and yes. you know, and there was a real there was a real um, kind of eye-opener moment when we got the cut the first set of cards printed, and the artwork was in our hand. It was like this is just this is just fantastic. You know, this looks great. Mm-hmm. This is something that, and I don't want to say it like this. This looks professional, and that's that's the air that we want to put across. Is you know this this it should have that professional finish, and uh, the art was very much part of that. Yeah, I mean, um, Adventure Mart by DigiSprite. Um, I was lucky enough to get a hold of a prototype which only had twenty to twenty five percent of the actual artwork, and it was in this kind of cutesy kind of almost like an, a, a kind of an anime type, um, almost Super Nintendo type style. But it was enough at the time for um, for them to be signed by Hub Games, you know. So Hub Games picked up Adventure Mart and are actually going to be producing it and making it into a full kind of, a full kind of game. So that's, so that's kind of cool. It's really, 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 really well done. My memory is failing me slightly, but you were talking to somebody a couple of months ago specifically about this point and whether or not finished artwork uh, influenced whether or not they backed a game or not. Yes. It was, I think it was maybe, I think it was maybe Henry, maybe Henry. It was, yep. Henry so, because he, he was in the, he was in the glorious position where 
he came on the show because I asked him and because he says he was a fan of the show and there's nothing better to stroke my own ego than actually have somebody that listens to the show kind of coming on and you know I was just basking in the adulation but the more important thing was this was somebody who backs games who looks at Kickstarter campaigns makes the decision whether or not they're going to back a game or not so to me it was important to kind of be asking the questions and saying well what is it you look like what is it you look at and one of the questions was you know if you see a game where as I say when Kickstarter started off kind of five not started off but when it was at its beginning before the great ascendancy and we were getting kind of three and four million pound campaigns coming out there a lot of times you would see a game to say right here's here's five of the 50 pieces of art that we need um, kind of thing and um, here's five of the 50 pieces of art that we need you you know you're going to fund us kind of help pay for the rest of the art kind of thing and I was at the, my question to to Henry at the time was if you saw a campaign that didn't have all this art would that kind of would that kind of affect you and I think um, there's a bit of a um, there's a bit of an expectation I think the backer crowd has changed and I think there's now a bit of an expectation for there to be a lot more of a finished product on display and you're essentially paying for the game to be made as opposed to be the game to be developed kind of thing and I think I don't know you know, I don't know if you guys followed the Dark Souls campaign at all. But, I, never, um, I, didn't, I never saw it. I've seen the game post-release, but I, I didn't see the campaign itself. Well, they come under it. They came under a lot of flack because after the event, they came in and said, "Right, okay, now we're going to start kind of fully developing the game off." And everyone's like, "Well, hang on. What do you yeah, mean you haven't developed it. the game?" Kind of thing. You know. Um, so that was kind of it. In terms of big games. You know, multi-million pound games aside, small games aside, they all come up with the the big wall, which is kind of marketing the game, regardless of the size of game that you're out there. How have you found kind of it's been kind of getting the word and spreading the word out there? If you had to, you know, you mentioned uh, the Glasgow Games Festival that you were at. Have you then had to venture kind of further afield? Did you go to the UK Games Expo? Did you go to Aircon? Things like that to to kind of help spread the word. We've not been that far afield. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been to a couple of different games cafes. We were over at Red Dice uh, mm-hmm. in Leith and been over there a couple of times and uh, demoed the game and played the game. And we are going across to the Lucky Sparrow this weekend. Uh, oh, so, yeah. Um, and we're going to be doing some demoing there and then Tabletop Scotland. Uh, so it... It's it's been a wee bit kind of uh, here and there. Been to Games Club in Motherwell, had it at different Games Clubs in work scenarios as well that we'd access yeah. to. So we're doing yeah. kind of various stuff, but not to any of the big expos or, or, or big events. So yeah, it's it's one of these ones which is you you never know until you get to the point of actually putting it out there and whether or not you've got that sufficient audience. So what is the sufficient audience? Um, yeah. So, you know, what numbers do you, do you need to have a certain number of Twitter followers before you go? Uh, or, you know, you kind of hit the Kickstarter. 
do you need to have a certain number of Instagram and is it across the whole board? Do you add them together? How do you compare who are unique? And it starts to become in a bit, well, at what point do we? And actually, is there a point where we we just need to, to progress this and get it to a point where we put it on to Kickstarter and see if it actually takes flight? And if it doesn't take flight, then we can bring it all back down to, you know, where we are, work out what we need to do better and do it again if needs be. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like the guys we've been talking to, um, the, the, the Wreck and Ruin and um, Blood for Roses in terms of number of times they've been to Kickstarter and how many, you know, what they've learned in the whole process. And there's an element of that for, certainly for me too, which is this is a new experience. But it's really good fun. I'm really enjoying mm-hmm. it. I just want to kind of work through this a little further and see what the next stage is too. We're really keen to get the game in its current form, you know, with you know a percentage of its art in place into the hands of people who can can play it, um, give us feedback, you know, critique it essentially, um, and but then but then allow us to. To use, you know, box quotes that they that they can give us to hopefully um, boost, you know, the the, co- the the actual content that's going to go on our campaign campaign page on Kickstarter. Um, you know, people like yourself, the folks over at um, Unlucky Frog, uh, yeah. you know, just just people who already have a following, and if we can kind of tap into that a little bit, then then hopefully we can gather some pace behind it. I think it's still difficult to throw the, you know, throw the hat into the air and know which side it's going to land up. Kind of nonsense. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just one of these things. It's 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 impossible. I have, and I've said this quite recently. I can't look at a, a campaign anymore and know. Um, looking at Kickstarter alone, it's very difficult to tell whether or not a campaign's going to fund. Yeah. And I don't think that is down to. I think it's almost down a, a case of down to interactions. It's almost like for any project that you undertake, you almost like need a champion. You need somebody who's quite willing to to grab it and run with it for you and always kind of be away. And I've seen campaigns that have, for whatever reason, not funded the first time. And, you know, like you said, you know, you mentioned, uh, Ross mentioned uh, Mark Wrecking Ruin, and Justin um, at Gladiatores um, both had to, to turn around again. But I am seeing more and more campaigns having to run second attempts at Kickstarter. And I don't think that's a bad thing anymore. I think it's almost a case of it allows people to build up a almost like a, fu- a pot of funding for people to come back. And I think it you, you almost turn from like a marketing thing into a relationship management situation where you're then going back to these people who have backed but maybe saw you not fund going back and saying right stick with us this is the reasons you should stick with us this is the reasons where you should kind of you know maybe tell your tell your kind of your your friends what about um the business side of things then, Ross, I mean, have you been learning about logistics and production and are you going like, why did I even bother with this? I'm having to learn so many things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff out there that you pick up and you don't necessarily think of straight away. Barcodes, 
uh, CE marks. Yes. Since we're at the, yes. at the moment, we're, we, we're still in Europe and hopefully we would supply to Europe. That's the plan. Um, and then the, there's all the, the there's the, the the services that will do all the uh, kind of distribution for you, but weighing up the costs against, well, what volumes are we talking about? And at what point does it mean that actually packing things in the house yourself becomes uh, less uh, feasible and actually you do yes. need to pay somebody. So, so there's lots of stuff around about that. And even in terms of the production of the cards and the game itself, that's that's been an interesting experience. And Steve and I have both been working on that in terms of getting quotes in from different companies, whether or not looking at sort of China manufacture or Ludo in, uh, across Europe. Um, and at the moment we're uh, working with and talking to a, a UK company, which from that perspective, the the benefits we've got there are it's a really quick turnaround. Yes. Um, so, you know, essentially we can order quite a large number of decks if we fund and the decks can be produced within and with us within a couple of weeks. Quite literally, not three months and you don't have that manufacturing risk of producing overseas and getting them back in a reasonable timescale and all that kind of thing. So it is something that we looked at and we... We like the UK. The cost isn't considerably more, or you know, it's 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 literally marginally more than we were looking at if it was a Chinese production, but much much quicker. Yeah. So from that perspective, absolutely learning lots and lots about uh, how to pull this together, and that that side of things, I'm not particularly worried about. I'm quite, I'm I'm more than quite confident. I'm very confident that um, if we hit funding, that we've got what we need in place to get this out within that kind of three-month period. But that three-month period, at the moment, and our kind of plan would be that conclusion of artwork, not the production of the cards. So you've got that balance in that way up of that. Where's your risk? Do you think that the, the risk is greater in completing the artwork, but the game in itself is completely 100% ready to go and you've got local manufacturing that can do that really quickly so we've got one component in the kind of full end to end cycle of producing the game that we just need to complete in terms of the Kickstarter so I th- I'm looking at it from the point of view of re- being really optimistic that that's actually a good proposition and you know if I was looking at it would I buy into it well I think that's probably you know less risky than Perhaps somebody that's got, a, a, you know, one version or a prototype ready to go and almost finished, but still has to go into full production. Don't know. Yeah, I think Don't there's. Know. Yeah, I think yeah, it's difficult. There's six and two threes because yeah, there's the there's the kind of the tariff situation with China at the moment, which whichever way you look at it, if um, if these tariffs come and kind of come into play fully, then the manufacturers will have to consider looking at raising the prices. And for some people, that's going to be enough to potentially wipe out any margin and also wipe out any room for, you know, error, additional costs that they can expect. Um, we've got the, obviously, the the um, the destruction of the UK as we know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, currently kind of going ahead. Um, and, uh, yeah... I'm not going to say any more, but then again, I mean, on the other side of it, is it going to mean that, you know, if you are going to be looking at kind of getting stuff, getting goods produced in Europe, 
is that going to have, is there going to be an effect on that actually coming into the country? You know, is it going to be one month, you know, it may be a case of everything's fine. It could be the next month that then there's an extra 10% on the prices. And it is making kind of UK manufacturers um, more attractive, you know, in some ways. And is it a case as, you know, it sounds strange, but is there space within the UK kind of printing side of things for a little kind of little engine that could to appear and say, well, we'll make your miniatures game for you. We'll make your your bigger game for you. We'll do your cards and your boxes for you. And I wonder if that might be, it might end up becoming a, a subject of necessity as opposed to somebody's, you know, business idea. And it's a case of, well, are, are people so ingrained in, in looking to get stuff made in China that they might actually turn around and say, Maybe we should start looking at what we can do with the UK, which is the cost. Let's face it, guys. It's always going to be the cost, isn't it? It, it is. And, and maybe when you're into, you know, more components, miniatures um, and, you know, just a larger production. But for us, the costs weren't that significantly different. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, the quality of the cards that we've got, it's like 350 gram card that these are on. They feel and just work really really well really like them mm-hmm. absolutely so you know we, we couldn't i don't think we could get any better going elsewhere and could it be cheaper we'd be talking pennies a, a deck rather than it being you know in, into pounds so from that perspective yeah it, it just makes total sense to keep it here and to answer your question about is there a space having looked around um, a space for someone that does this kind of production and, and, and brings it all in. I'm surprised there isn't. You know, it, it, someone that's actually just stepped all over this in the UK. And maybe it's about the volume that's going through, but you just take a step on to Kickstarter or go to any of the, 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 the kind of conventions that are out there and how many people are actually developing games or have games ideas. It's It just seems to be such a a, a a huge phenomenon in any case that you would expect there would be that space for, for a business to, to really kind of come to the fore in the UK to do it. But it comes back down to cost. If they Give can. us six months and Glover Games Productions will be right out. <laughs> he'll, he'll be, be right he'll out. Be, yeah. He'll be pouring plastic into moulds in his spare time. He'll be like looking, he'll be like in the background over there going, oh, just leave me alone, I'm trying to get this card cut. <laughs> if I like saying that, he says three hundred and fifty grams. He's already learned all the card thicknesses and stuff like that. He's he's thinking laminates. He's thinking about how do I put a UV finish on a box and stuff like that. I know your game, Glover. I'll tell you what. See, see the difference between the difference between three fifty and three oh five. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even talk about it. He'll have to go away and have a quiet word with himself. Um, <laughs> have you? Have you thought about kind of price? Okay, no, I was going to say you've thought about price of entry, but have you actually thought about, is you put a deadline on this or are you willing to say, actually, let's just wait until the thing's ready to go? Because I've seen, I've had a couple of conversations with creators and they say, well, we've got to launch on the 15th of July. Why? Because that's when my marketing says we're launching, as opposed to them saying... (laughs) We've got to wait until the thing's ready to go. So are you kind of are you quite kind of loosey goosey with the kind of the launch date? Have you set it in stone? Are you saying, well, look, we've got to get this art situation started out 
and then we can go ahead and we can look at everything else. Can, can I just make a correction? And and this made it sound like I knew what I was talking about, but it's actually 340 GSM. <laughs> <laughs> just in case anybody looks back at this in time and says, you said it was 350, and you've only supplied yeah, I'll edit, it's, it's, I'll edit it out, Ross, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing it out. <laughs> on to trading standards. I'm going to put it at the beginning of I'm going to put it at the beginning of the show and just have you kind of on an endless loop going, it's 3.05, it's 3.05, it's 3.05, just all the way, just all the way kind of through like that. Um, no, the 3.05's no good. But um, no, have you Sorry. thought about saying, well, we're going to get it ready when it's ready to go, or have you put like a, a kind of almost like a hard line on this to say, right, we're going to launch on this date and this is when we're going to go, regardless of where we are with things? So we we had ideas in our head of when we would like to launch, um, with a view to say like delivering by Christmas or something along those lines, um, but they've they've never kind of stuck particularly, and we also kind of threw ideas about about like let's try and end our campaign on on specific dates like Halloween mm-hmm. or a Friday the thirteenth. Uh, or something along, you know, just to, to try and be quite thematic about it. Um, but, you know, then you go, right, okay, well, what's 30 days back from that or 60 days back from that? Well, that doesn't really work. So we've, we've not really been all that fixated on a particular, you know, a, a, a drop dead go live date. Um, mm-hmm. We just want to have all our, our, our ducks in a row that we're, we're confident that should we hit the funding target that we, we can produce a product that's, you know... Um, well-rounded, it's professional, it, it delivers on all the the promises that we make on the campaign page uh, and not, not have to make too many sacrifices. So it's a, it's, a long, it's a long way of saying, no, we don't have a particular date in mind, but, um, you know, we, we would rather, we, we want to be working to it pretty soon, I would say. What's the charge for the door, son? How much is it going to cost to get on the bus? <laughs> um, to be confirmed. To be confirmed. Well, and, and, Ross, do you, is there any? What would you say, kind of ballpark? Yeah, I think it's going to be less than twenty. Um, but I would imagine it's not going to be anything kind of less than that eighteen pounds. So somewhere between there. So eighteen sixty-seven then. Eighteen sixty-seven. About eighteen sixty-seven. Do you imagine if you put eighteen sixty seven, then people would be going, "What's that significant for?" And you could say, "You could say, we'll leave it, and we'll tell you at the end when we fund." And then you'd have all these folk back in at eighteen sixty seven, and then you get to the end and we say, "It just means that we're backed. That's all. Thanks very much. Good night, kind of thing." And then you know, just leave the leave the kind of the mystery there, um, you know. But no, I mean that seems decent. It's not, you know. Um, if it's going to be even below the twenty pound mark, let's face it, you can't get much of a, you can't get a decent kind of, you know, carry out. Not sitting in the especially if you've got your two families coming together for a meal. I'm, I'm taking the the twenty quid wouldn't you cover the prom crackers. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think I think price is really important. Um, hmm. There's there's a number of there's a number of games that I've liked the look of. Um, on Kickstarter and, and other places, and then you go, do you know what? Is is it? It's just out with, it wasn't at that kind of sweet price point. Um, and yeah. So I think what we're targeting is it's at a level that people are prepared to take a chance on it. 
uh, without it feeling like a risk. Um, but also, it's it's you know you, you even at that level you do expect a certain level of quality, and so we hope to hit that fine balance where you know people are happy with what gets delivered, and they they don't feel it's it's been too too much of a risk up until the point where it's in their hands. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go back to the earlier question as well, and just to to kind of reiterate that point in terms of ducks in a row that you'd mentioned, Stevie. It, 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 for us, it'd be good to move forward with it, but we don't want to do that at the expense of moving to Kickstarter when we're still kind of going. Oh, and then what do we do? We don't. We don't want to be working it out during Kickstarter. We want to have everything in place for the Kickstarter, so it literally is yeah. a case of fund, and these are the things that happen, and this is when you can expect the game. And we're, we're trying to get rid of any kind of variables there that would mean that that's not going to deliver on time. So, you know, that's that's more what's going to drive it. Having said that, it'd be really it'd be really good to have it end on uh, Halloween. So. We've got a couple of weeks. Still in, We've got a few weeks to work to that. Commercial, such a commercial holiday. It's just stupid, um, you know. And 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 let's face it, horror horror is best expressed in situations where you don't expect there to be a horror story. If you think about the best ones, you know. So look mm-hmm. at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people want to keep an eye on this horror story, <laughs> didn't come out right at all. Um, <laughs> Where, where do you guys exist on the internet webs? Where can we find you, Stevie? I'll let you answer that. And then, Ross, you can jump in, obviously, with whatever card size you feels feels appropriate <laughs> at the time. Um, so you can you can follow our, our Twitter handle, which is at one survives, and it's the, the number one, not the, the word. Um, mm-hmm. You can also go to onesurvives.com. Uh, and, and go to our webpage that where you can kind of sign up for the newsletter and, and, and keep up to date with updates on there and we're also one survives on facebook and, and instagram. instagram oh and instagram as well see i'm 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 too old for instagram that's for the kids um but yes also what <laughs> one survives on instagram awesome cool, well cool. um i can only wish you the best of luck with the campaign uh, we are we, I obviously have not been looking at the game, but uh, our head writer, uh, Steve, has been looking at the game and he will be getting his thoughts down on paper. Um, well, not paper. He's not going to write it on a bit of paper. He's going to type it on a computer then he's going to put it on the blog. So he's going to get his thoughts down on a screen. That You're assuming he's either. survived. <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah, see. <laughs> And if you want to keep an eye, if you want to read that when it comes out, just jump onto uh, we'renotwizards.blogspot.com. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to in different places with our worn out faces, um, you can go on Twitter and find us on We're Not Wizards. On Facebook, it's We're Not Wizards. On Instagram, because we're down with the cuds, <laughs> it's We're Not Wizards. Uh, you can find us on our normal website, which is we'renotwizards.com. And if you like YouTube, it's We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. If you find us, you'll find us. Um, don't expect anything wonderful. It's just videos of me looking like a fool. Um, <laughs> if, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then please jump onto your podcast catcher of choice. And if you can drop us a rating, that's cool. If you can drop us a subscription, that's even better. Um, if you have liked what you've listened to tonight even more, tell somebody about it. You know, we spread like smallpox, but we're not deadly. 
but just a bit cuddly. Um, or you can jump onto Apple Podcasts and, as I say, give us a rating or give us a review. And as normal, if you are going to give us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the people who have not been average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, Stevie and Ross. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. No, thank thank you. you very, very much for coming on. There's only, um, there's only a couple more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Stevie? I've been called many, many things, but that's not one of them. Absolutely brilliant. Ross, are you a wizard? Uh, no magic here. Fantastic. <laughs> And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Stevie. Say goodbye, Stevie. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from Ross. Say goodbye, Ross. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful, and uh, beware of what seems like innocent day trips out into the woodlands, into that cabin, and you wait until nightfall. You try to get out there and then you realise that your car is mysteriously broken down with some leads have been removed because you might hear just a scratching noise in the dark or maybe some footsteps and then somebody's coming towards the door and they're trying to get in and they're just trying to get everybody but potentially just maybe one survives. Bye-bye. A wizard is never linked. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.